We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sarah, ever since the Ravens signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year contract on Easter Sunday, we assumed it was the front office's way of reaching out to Lamar to either keep negotiating or at least not hold out on the tag. Yeah, but Bobby, according to former NFL general manager Michael Lombardi, it wasn't that the Ravens were reaching out to Lamar. It was that that they were implementing Lamar's specific demand. I was told reliably by somebody who's involved that Lamar told them, in a conversation, get Hopkins and get Beckham, and then we can talk. And the club went back to them and said, look, we can't get Hopkins and Beckham. We just can't get both. We can't afford both, but we'll get one of them. And they got Beckham. So they can't get, DeAndre Hopkins is an interesting story, right? So DeAndre Hopkins is available. And, but the problem with DeAndre Hopkins is he would be great with Lamar. Not because he's got great speed, because he's exactly what Lamar needs. Someone, you throw the ball anywhere in his area, he's going to catch Reliable it. Reliable safety blanket, And he that can run guy. with it after the catch. You know, he's always covered. He is always covered, but he always catches it. And so, but he wants a raise. He wants more money. And so I think what the Ravens decided was, okay, we can get Beckham. And I think that's why you see the overpayment for Beckham, because they felt like, okay, this is our way to kind of bridge ourselves to Lamar. All right, first off, quickly, my apologies for the speed of that clip. I always listen to media at either one and a half or double speed. I just enjoy getting in more content in a smaller frame of time. But um, I'm not going to claim that I've got sources from Lamar's camp, so I can't confirm if Lombardi's report is true. But I could see why one could put weight into this report because, A, Lombardi is a former front office executive and clearly still has ties around the league. B, as we've discussed on the show, the Ravens signing of OBJ to $13 million guaranteed when the next best offer was reportedly from the Jets and it was $5 million less. Well, that's a big overpay from a team that's traditionally disciplined with cap spending. So, it's an uncharacteristic move, so connecting it to maybe a demand from Lamar could make some sense. And finally, C, there were reports from ESPN earlier in free agency that the Ravens were looking into a possible DeAndre Hopkins trade. And Sarah, not everybody remembers this, but this type of thing, it's happened before. And it wasn't connected to contract negotiations, but Marquise Brown told Bleacher Report that prior to the 2019 NFL draft, the Ravens asked Lamar who he wanted as his number one wide receiver. He told them either Marquise or Jerry Judy and obviously ended up with Hollywood. And then before the 2019 draft, Jackson let Brown know via text, quote, 
We're coming to get you. Yeah, and remember, Bobby, Lamar also emphasized an improved offensive line before last season in the front office got that done. So there is some precedent in Eric DaCosta trying to get Lamar the pieces that he desires. I'm sure he hasn't gotten all of them. We've talked at length about, you know, not enough wide receiver weapons. But I like seeing this. To me, it makes sense for a front office who's trying to build around their franchise quarterback to take his input. I like that as long as it doesn't reach, you know, those Aaron Rodgers type level of demands. This should be a partnership between these two sides. So that brings us back to present day. Everybody's wondering what's going to be happening with DeAndre Hopkins. And clearly in that clip that you heard, if it's accurate, the Ravens told Lamar that they couldn't afford both OBJ and Hopkins. Now there were rumors swirling that Hopkins was seeking more money than the $19.45 million he's due to make in 2023. And then after that, the $14.915 million he's due in 2024. But D-Hop, as so many athletes do these days, took to Twitter to squash those rumors, writing, quote, Hopkins doesn't want to raise, and then signed it with his nickname, Nuke. That's how you squash <laughs> it, huh? I do like it. I do like that he's out there to, you know, push his own narrative. I will say that it does remind me, Bobby, if you remember, because it wasn't too long ago, that OBJ tweeted that he was not seeking a deal between 15 and 20 million because that was also the rumors at that time. But he did end up getting up to 18 million from the Ravens anyway. So, you know, maybe with Nuke, it'll be different. Now, I've said this before, Bobby, I still doubt, and I hate to put this damper on everybody, but I doubt Eric DaCosta can pull off both an OBJ and Hopkins signing in a single offseason. But I will say this, EDC has been aggressive this offseason, and he's giving me signs that the Ravens are all in this offseason because they don't know what is promised tomorrow. Lamar Jackson is not under contract long-term. And you combine that with Darius Slay, we covered this in our last episode, Darius Slay saying that he knows of other players that want to come to Baltimore. So it seems to me that whether it's Hopkins or somebody else, something is still on the horizon and maybe even before the draft. Still to come here on The Vault, we'll turn to sports medicine doctor Brian Suterer for an in-depth breakdown on how OBJ managed to quote-unquote tear his ACL twice. Bobby so we all remember during OBJ's introductory press conference last week as a Raven uh he raised some eyebrows when he had this to say after being asked about his current health status post ACL tear well I'm feeling great and I guess I don't know if it's the second ACL because the whole that whole season I was playing you know without it um and it was a crazy thing I signed with the LA Rams and um, I remember Elitraj comes down there and he's, he's like, I just got to inform you that you don't have ACL. You know, we could redo your surgery right now. And this was week nine of the season. And um, I, I had been, I just told him, I was like, I've been through way too much to come here and sign. There was way too much talk on my name. You know, the past year, like I came here to help win the championship. Um, and I told him I'd die on the sword. And that was just, you know, the kind of reference that I used. Uh, you know, I, I just care that much about, about playing. So I feel great now. You know, I'm still in my process of um, getting ready for September. Yeah, so Sarah, basically what he's saying is that he joined the LA Rams in 2021 without an ACL in his left knee, but opted to play through it out of motivation to title chase, which he ended up getting. He got his title and 
if it weren't for the whatever that we're going to refer to this as, I was going to say the ACL tear, but who knows at this point, hopefully we'll figure that out by the end of this topic. But if, it, if not for that, he probably would have been the Super Bowl MVP. But remember all the reports coming out of that Super Bowl. They indicated he tore the ACL. He's now saying was never even there to begin with. So for more, Let's turn to sports medicine doctor Brian Suterer. The ACL is a passive stabilizer of the knee. Passive meaning it's not actively firing. It's not a muscle that can contract and be controlled. The ACL is either there or it's not. But thankfully, our body has other dynamic stabilizers, active stabilizers of our joints. And for the ACL, those stabilizers are the hamstrings. The hamstring muscles sit here on the back side of the knee. And because of the orientation of where the hamstrings go and attach down on the tibia or the shin bone, when the hamstring muscles fire, they pull the tibia backwards relative to the femur, which is basically what the ACL is trying to do. It's trying to prevent the tibia from moving forward. So the hamstrings are there to actively provide stability to the knee joint in a way that the ACL is also trying to help out. In fact, the key tenant of ACL injury rehab is good control and strengthening of the hamstrings because the hamstrings are vital to help protect the ACL and help protect the knee. Okay, so Bobby, did Dr. Suterer give his professional opinion on just like how realistic this idea of OBJ playing an entire football season on a torn ACL really is? He did, and I think this should clear up some of the questions I've been seeing online about the legitimacy of his claim. Listen to this. It's very possible that Odell at some point between his first ACL surgery and when the Rams did that next MRI, either the graft didn't heal right, something got injured again, and he had a non-functioning ACL on his knee. But he dynamically had been able to rehab well enough that he wasn't experiencing enough instability to make him or the medical team think that his ACL was incompetent. So that part of this whole story, while it was kind of misrepresented a little bit, is not crazy to believe it being possible that Odell was able to play with a torn ACL. Surprising, yes, but not completely untrue. So Sarah, this immediately made me think about the messaging and organizational communication, mostly put forth by John Harbaugh because he was at the podium every other day in the aftermath of Lamar Jackson's PCL sprain that he sustained during the Broncos game last year. Like, Sometimes medical terminology and just the concept of diagnosis in general are blurry and imprecise. So we all know, we remember this, right? Like Harbs went from being extremely hopeful based on what he was given from Lamar's initial diagnosis in December to then becoming visibly frustrated and then ultimately just flat out exhausted having to answer weekly questions related to this PCL sprain that clearly ended up being significantly more serious than initially indicated. So, hey, perhaps something similar was the case two years ago in Los Angeles, but here's one more breakdown from Dr. Suterer, who details the non-contact play itself that ended OBJ's Super Bowl outing early. What we saw here was an instability episode. Basically, we see the exact same movement of the knee. We see that same position where the knee goes inward. We see that tibia shift forward. But it's the instability because the ACL was already torn, and he just so happened to have his knee in a position where that instability event occurred to make us think the ACL had been torn, and then, of course, what we heard with the communication afterwards about the injury. So this wasn't that he retore a non-existent ACL. It's that he finally had an instability episode on the field where the tibia shifted forward because the ACL was incompetent and the hamstrings weren't able to control the position of the knee. So again, very possible, just very poorly communicated.
So, Sarah, it took several months, but it feels like more and more national media are finally catching up to what you have been leading the charge on here on the vault in terms of what the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson back in September. And I know that this is music to your ears as all these reports <laughs> and segments start to roll in. Yeah, but here's what's funny. So we have, you know, been a little bit more ahead of understanding what's been going on. But finally, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, he actually did give one more important number from the Ravens' supposed contract to offer back in September. And this number I had not heard before. He gave it to the Pat McAfee show. Now, uh, we hadn't heard anything about cash flow which is an extremely important metric for quarterbacks because, again, I've said this before, usually these deals, these long-term deals, they're redone after the third year. So in addition to fully guaranteed money, the cash flow given out early in these deals is a major talking point in negotiations. Okay, with that context, let's go to Rappaport. He revealed that after just one year of Lamar's offered extension, he would have received $87.63 million. Bobby, that blows away his career earnings up to this point. And for comparison, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, he will get $60 million after year one. So Lamar Jackson, after just one year, would get $27.63 million more. Okay? When Rappaport gave that information to the Pat McAfee show, both Pat and Pac-Man Jones had this reaction to it. That's still a ton of money. Ton. Shitload. Ton of, but he's got 111 coming? But like yeah. This, yeah. this, we was talking about $50 million for quarterbacks. Now we're talking $60 million for quarterback. To me, new money, you go and get the new money. Yeah, the new cash there for Jalen at 60, and then the Lamar's, Lamar's 87, $87 million? Yeah. So we have run through all the numbers of what Lamar was offered, but I think one thing we really haven't done yet is put them in perspective in terms of how they would have ranked league wide. So do you have those rankings handy, Sarah? Yeah, I do. So had Lamar accepted that September deal, and again, I'm not saying he needed to, he obviously without an agent got himself what looks to me is a better deal than what uh, Jalen Hurts just got. But this is where it would have ranked just so that people know that the Ravens didn't lowball him. So these rankings are even after the latest Hertz deal. So he would have been number one in year one cash flow, which I just went over. And he's beating that last leader of Dak Prescott with so Dak Prescott was at about 75 million. Then he'd be number three in total money. We know that that was 250 million over five years. He'd be number two in APY, meaning what he would earn each year. Then he'd be number two in full guarantees. And then he'd be number one in practical guarantees only because Deshaun Watson doesn't have practical guarantees. He's he's just fully guaranteed. So once Rappaport ran through all the different numbers, I'm telling you, Pat McAfee had a piece of paper and pen handy and he was writing it all down to try to finally get it all straight. So once they finally went through all these numbers, this was the reaction from Pat, who is just simply dumbfounded of not understanding why the offer wasn't accepted. So the 2026 was the reason why Lamar didn't like it. You think like, why, what do we, what do we think? What do we think Tell me where, uh, dude, tell me dude, where I'm, I'm, I'm going through the same thing. I, I really, I'm just being completely honest. What do you think? Lamar is not an agent and his camp doesn't really, you know, sort of, 
his camp is like him and his mom and maybe another person. So to understand why this wasn't something that he would accept or counter, I honestly am not sure. All right, just to answer their question, what Josina Anderson told us on this show is that Lamar Jackson is seeking around $230 million in fully guaranteed money like the Cleveland Browns gave to Deshaun Watson. And turns out Watson spoke with Cleveland media on Tuesday and he was asked for his thoughts on Lamar seeking a deal similar to his. Yeah, I mean, I, I reach out to Lamar all the time. We we talk through, you know, text through Instagram. We don't really talk about the business side, you know, because that's that's his space. That's his privacy. Um, you know, from outside looking in, you know, I hope he gets what he wants. Uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I never talked to him about it, so I can't speak on, you know, his, his business side. Uh, but, you know, he's a great player, and he's going to be, you know, if he's back in Baltimore, he's going to be special for them. And if it's somewhere else, then he's going to be special for that organization. You know, he's a talent that the NFL need. And uh, we love to see him watch and watch him play unless we're playing against him. Uh, but, you know, I hope he gets what he what he wants and what he deserves. And I think he deserves, I mean, everything, all of it. So, Sarah, as we know, it seems that everyone has an opinion on Lamar Jackson these days. And that does include Sir Charles Barkley himself. The NBA Hall of Famer turned TNT basketball analyst certainly didn't hold back when asked his opinion of what's taking place in Baltimore. Yeah, Bobby Barkley was a guest on the Cleveland area podcast called The Real Big Show with Tony Rizzo and Aaron Goldhammer. And the two hosts, well, they were honest with their agenda when they asked Sir Charles about Lamar. Charles, we're trying to get Lamar out of the division. If he called you and asked you for advice like the Live guys did, what would you say? Lamar, you you playing with fire, brother. You're playing, you're going to get burnt. These dudes, they're all billionaires. They're not going to let you screw up their business model. You got to take the best deal. They're not going to. See, and it's not even about Lamar. Cause it, cause what's got like I know what they're saying behind the scenes. They're like, yo man, if you get this guy guaranteed money, I'm gonna have to get Herbert guaranteed money. I'm gonna have to get Burrow guaranteed money. Sure, I'd have to do J- Jalen Hurts. We can't give all these guys guaranteed money. So I know what that's what they're doing behind closed doors. So L- Lamar need to get together this team and say, oh, the one thing about the NFL, they're so powerful. You know how powerful the NFL is. They got us watching a bunch of nobody's playing football right now. We got two different leagues going on. So Barkley is obviously implying that owners are colluding against Lamar. Now, other people might argue that the 31 other NFL owners just aren't as bad of businessmen as the Browns owners, and therefore they're not taking their lead. But however you view it, it does seem like the $230 million in fully guaranteed money that Josina Anderson told us that Lamar is seeking it seems like that number is getting further and further away from him because since the Ravens offered the reported contract in September, there's been 10 quarterback deals given out, including three high-end deals, and nobody has come close to the fully guaranteed money that even Lamar himself got, not even to speak of Deshaun Watson. All right, and now that we have multiple reporters from different networks confirming this September offer from Ravens to Lamar. I'm talking Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen from ESPN. Then you've got Ian Rappaport and Tom Pellicero from NFL Network. And now Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. They all are giving the same numbers. So it's getting clearer and clearer 
that this September contract and the numbers that they, we've been given, they are indeed solid. Here's Florio. Since the Deshaun Watson contract from last year, we've now got three high-end quarterback contracts. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts. And none of them are fully guaranteed at signing. That ship has sailed. With each passing deal that is done by a high-end quarterback that isn't even remotely close to fully guaranteed, the Deshaun Watson deal was the aberration. It's not happening. So, Sarah, do you agree with what Mike's getting at here? Like, has the ship truly sailed for Lamar to get that $230 million number and fully guaranteed? Bobby, I am very, very close to being there with, with Mike Florio. Uh, not all the way there yet, but if the ship hasn't sailed, it is warming up its engines, everyone is on board, and it's getting ready to leave the dock for this offseason. Now, Bobby, as you know, we've debated this before this entire time. I have had zero problems with Lamar waiting this thing out and trying to get Watson-type money. And if he's waited this long, I can see why he might want to wait at least a little bit longer to see what happens with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, maybe some deals that they could get in the next few months. And he also may want to wait until after the draft and until the deadline to get a, a long-term deal, which is July 17th. So that is the true setting sail date, if you will, for me this offseason. And of course, after this offseason, Lamar could wait out these franchise tags and try the open market again in one or two years. But this offseason, it's getting awfully close that, you know, the ship has sailed on $230 million fully guaranteed. So looking at this from the Ravens side right now, do you think that they consider putting together another offer now that Jalen Hurts deal is this latest update that's out there, right? Like Eric DaCosta has been clear from the jump that he does not want to give up on trying for an extension. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. I mean, it's reported that the Ravens have offered several different types of deals. And if I were EDC, I would do another offer, just as you're saying, based off of what Hurts was just given. But to be more specific, I'll, I'll play this, this uh, quote here from Florio and Chris Sims. I agree with them that, what the Ravens should do and what Lamar should do is try to mesh together the best part of Lamar's offer with the best parts of Jalen's deal. There's a way to take the Hurts deal and the offer from last year and mash it together right, and turn and it into it an acceptable contract. Agreed. There's a way to do it if Lamar Jackson would hire an agent right now yeah. or get Odell Beckham Jr. to be his agent. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we, we joked about it last week, and there was something during the press conference on Thursday that made me think, maybe there is something to this. But maybe OBJ is the guy who could, with the help of his own agent, because it's in Beckham's interest to have Lamar Jackson there. Oh, definitely. With the help of his own agent, cobble together a package and make the case to the Ravens and to Jackson as to why this is what they should do. Oh, I would love that. You know, I really, I would. Again, you know, we, we want Lamar to get paid, right? We do. And I guess one way to, to do this if you're Lamar right now, because you've made the $23.5 million that you were due to make in your option year, you offered me a five-year extension. Let's just do the five-year contract now that you offered with yeah. all the other guarantees in place. Give me the 133 for year one. Give me the 168 that vests by next year. Give me $50 million a year. Five years, 250. Let's bump it up a little bit. Let's throw a little on the back end to make it a $52 million per year right. deal. Because right. we know that happens. There's a little hocus-pocus yeah. on the back end that drives the average up. And that's one of the reasons why I'm very curious about this Jalen Hurts deal. Because yeah, because there's some rumors percolating, right? numbers. Right. It, it, it could be there's some... There's a little 
there's a little fat that's been dumped onto the back end right. to drive up the APY and allow him and his representatives to take a victory lap that they got the best contract in league history right. when you and that's why I want to wait to to dig into the details and see what's really there but there's things you can do to get Lamar to 52 that really don't affect the Ravens there's ways you can do it but I don't think it would be all that difficult when you take the Jalen Hurts deal you take the Lamar Jackson offer from last year I'd like to think that any agent any responsible reasonably intelligent agent could sit down with Eric DaCosta and work out a deal that Lamar Jackson should take. Even if it's less than what he wants, back to the $50,000 for his car, no one's going to offer you that. So at some point you got to say yes to some other offer or you're never going to sell that car. This may be his best chance. Now, honestly, in my view, Lamar and EDC could work that out together without an agent, but it still would require Lamar to compromise with the Ravens to get that done. And, but I'm not so sure that he's there yet because, like I said above, there's still time for him to wait a little bit longer. So buckle up because the negotiating posturing may continue for a little bit longer. Still to come here on The Vault, Adam Pacman jones who's become a reliable source of information on all things DeAndre Hopkins in recent months. He doubled down on what he had to say about the Ravens and D-Hop earlier this week. So stay tuned for that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
All right, Bobby, there's been no shortage of reporting related to DeAndre Hopkins this week, and Wednesday was no exception. Yeah, Sarah, and just to review, I recognize that there's no shortage of smoke screens this time of year as well, but this, in a way, I think we both feel this way, like it feels different a little bit, doesn't it? Like, so far we've heard from a former player, a close friend of D-Hops and Adam Pacman jones a current player who was nearly a Raven last month in Darius Slay. And I know he didn't specifically mention D-Hop by name, but the timing makes you wonder. And a former NFL executive who remains very tied in within NFL circles in Michael Lombardi. So those three, it just feels like the momentum seems to be building ahead of next week's draft. Yeah, and as we titled Wednesday morning's vault, where there's smoke, there's fire. And given the history regarding Baltimore's past interest in Hopkins prior to Houston's trade that sent him to Arizona, it certainly makes you wonder if something really is going on. But, Bobby, you mentioned that Pac-Man doubled down on some of his comments from earlier this week. So tell everybody, what did he have to say? I mean, he basically just further emphasized the possibility of D-Hop and the Ravens potentially coming together with this. Our source says have said that there's a chance D-Hop still ends up in Baltimore, right? Yeah, that's what our source has said. It's, it's a strong possibility. Oh, strong. Strong. Really? Yeah. Strong possibility. Strong possibility. Hold on, now that's breaking. That's an update. I'm sorry. Go ahead, AJ. That's breaking news. Strong Strong possibility? Is this strong possibility mean that Lamar is probably going to be there, Pat? I can't speak on it. I'm just... My sources says it's a strong possibility. Now, Sarah, in all fairness, the Ravens clearly aren't Hopkins' only suitor. Matter of fact, they were one of, what, five total teams rumored to be in on him, which Pac-Man accurately referenced last month. The Bills were another one of those teams, and much like he did for almost a year with Odell Beckham Jr., Buffalo star pass rusher Von Miller continues to insist that his team, those Bills up in Western New York, they aren't out of the running just yet. Word on the street that we might be getting another big time weapon. Oh, you know, we oh. missed out on OBJ. It's, a, it's another big, it's another big weapon out there if you get him. Whoa! Stefan Diggs, Dawson Knox, Damian Harris, and 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 Cook and. And all the guys that we got on offense, man, with this defense, we just picked up Taylor Rapp. He's super versatile. He can play nickel. He can play safety. Man, we got we got a great team coming in, man. Everybody else in our division got better. The, the Jets got better. The Miami Dolphins got better. And the New England Patriots got better. And we got better as well. Yeah, and earlier this week, Miller went as far as to say that D-Hop told him point blank that he wants to be a Bill. So, let the bidding war between Buffalo and Baltimore begin, I guess. Don't you just get this sense that we could once again be in for a drama-filled opening night of the draft next Thursday? We're going to have to just wait and see, but something tells me that's what we have in store. And, of course, you and I are going to be full go that night, Thursday, April 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern to midnight, live streaming right here on The Vault, on my personal channel, on your Twitter, across all platforms. Looking forward to it. But before we jump to topic three, the Ravens did re-sign wide receiver Tariq Black on Wednesday. Black spent the last week of the 2022 season on Baltimore's practice squad after going undrafted in 2021 out of Michigan. He stands 6'3", 217 pounds, and he'll now have a chance to compete for a role in 2023 as a member of the team's 90-man offseason roster at this current point in time. 
right, Bobby, NFL reporter, Josina Anderson, and friend of this vault show. Well, she had former Ravens defensive tackle, Clayus Campbell, on her podcast for a wide-ranging interview. We've, of course, combed through the entire thing and have a lot to review, so let's get to it. Yeah, let's do it, Sarah, because, you know, just to review, Calais was the notable cap casualty that allowed Baltimore's front office to become cap compliant before the start of last month's new league year, which ultimately led him to eventually signing with the Atlanta Falcons. But let's get to some of what the big fella had to say, because while he made it abundantly clear he was simply speculating and hasn't chatted with Lamar since the start of free agency, I tend to trust Calais's judgment. And I really don't think it's a stretch to say that he may have suggested there's all of a sudden some wiggle room with number eight at the negotiating table. But I think in Lamar's case, you know, his mindset, you know, this, and I can't speak for him because I don't know this for a fact. This is what my outside looking in. But this isn't like a direct conversation. But for me, outside looking in, I think, you know, he was like, hey, if it ain't this, then I don't want to, I, mean, I ain't trying to really talk about it. You know, this is, this is what I want. You know, when you get here, let me know. You know, and now this is just outside looking in. This is not direct, you know, because I'm sure after talking to him more or actually hearing more, him say things more, I'm, I think he's been trying to figure out, a, you know, a good give and take. You know, he's not he's not so stern on that one number. I think he's trying to get, you know, to figure out what's, what's the best thing for him, you know, and trying to get the maximum value for his efforts. Bobby, what I noticed there is that he was using past tense. So that could bode well for negotiations to potentially move forward if there's been a slight change in approach on Lamar's part. Yeah, I think that's honestly a great point. And I thought the exact same thing after listening to this other nugget from Calais in which he references his perceived bigger picture mindset for Lamar, having spent the last three seasons as his teammate. It comes down to production versus value, right? And Lamar knows that what he can do on the football field is ridiculous. And he wants the top value for that. You know, and I think that there's some level of this, too, where I think just it's the prestige of having a fully guaranteed contract. But I also think it's some level of, you know, uh, you think about like the history of NBA or even baseball. Guaranteed contracts came from star players demanding it, and then it became a social norm. And I think Lamar kind of has a little bit of, uh, you know, like I can do something that can affect the whole NFL down the road. So I think that plays a little bit to it. But this is all my perspective. This is not that Lamar ever told me. So, Sarah, this was fascinating to me because if I'm not mistaken – this would mark the first time that someone relatively close to Lamar has legitimately suggested that, hey, he's been negotiating with the pressure of what it will mean for players that come after him on the topic of fully guaranteed contracts, right? Yeah, you know, it is fascinating. But again, we have to remember that he's just giving his outside perspective. He's not communicating directly with Lamar there. But yeah, he has some familiarity that he's leaning into. And he's making some educated opinions based off of that familiarity. And I also thought he made another good point about some of the quarterbacks who are waiting in the wings to get paid. If Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, I'll say, hey, we're not playing, we're not playing football. You know, pass our contract until we get guaranteed contracts. Guaranteed contracts will happen. Right. They all get contracts, but you know, that's kind of a hard thing to do because it's like, you know, if I'm Jalen Hurts, I know I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to make all 255 of this because I'm a quarterback. The quarterbacks don't really get cut unless you just right. start, which is just unrealistic or you get some kind of crazy injury, but most of these have like injury guarantees. So like, you know, you're highly likely to make all 255. So it's like, do I really want to, I mean, you only really be sacrificing trying to make a greater good for everybody that can't be behind you. And that's one hell of a sacrifice, but point taken, right? Like, 
Jalen Hurts knows he's more than likely seeing that entire $255 million deal through with the Philadelphia Eagles. But let's finish here, Sarah, because from Josina's vantage point, one advantage Lamar has on his side right now is time. You know, my understanding is that Lamar Jackson, at least just from conversation, not directly from him and people who talk, who who should know, um, you know, would obviously like a, a APY, uh, 50 and probably now above, you know, what Jalen uh, has uh, on, a, on a shorter term. But when you're having conversations with, you know, teams, you can't you can't win in every metric. Right. So you can't have the APY and short and the guarantee or what have you. There has to you know be a give and take. What's your thought process on Lamar? One of the things I want to say is to me right now, what Lamar has is the advantage of time, meaning that he can still use time to negotiate with the Ravens as far as still trying to get what he wants, particularly some key metrics over what Jalen Hurts got by saying, if I come earlier, that's a negotiating tool to then try to pull back some more of what you want, maybe on a three-year deal, maybe the APY is above Jalen Hurts, but maybe you have to give on the term and guarantees and certain things like that. But obviously, Calais, the closer he gets to, you know, camp and things like that, using that lever of time is less of a negotiating, you know, thing to dangle to the Ravens who want it, trying to assimilate you with the new offensive coordinator. And one date that we've been continuing to hammer home is July 17th. Of course, that's the deadline for the Ravens and the Lamar to sign a long-term extension. In fact, that's a deadline for him to do that with anybody. And after that date, July 17th, he would only be able to sign a one-year offer sheet, whether it be from Baltimore or anywhere else for that matter. So, yeah, an argument can be made that time is indeed on his side for, you know, the next couple of months as he kind of dangles a carrot of the Ravens to either up the ante of a one-year deal or an extension to get him to come on time, early to camp to get going on this offense. All right, still to come here on The Vault, trade rumors and trade proposals are swirling, including with DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, Lamar Jackson. Okay, Sarah, we're less than a week away from the 2023 NFL Draft, which means that rumors and reports are going to start flying, and honestly, they've already begun. So, I know you got a couple updates ready to roll, so let's begin with the latest on Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, sure thing. So, Bobby, as we know, because we've played his quotes, it is Adam Pacman Jones who is fueling the D-hop to Ravens rumor mill by saying there's a, quote, strong possibility that it happens. But uh, our girl Josina, she poured a little bit of cold water on the idea. Uh, I do know uh, per my understanding that L- Lamar did, you know, express a desire for the team to reach out to OBJ and D-Hop, though there was no, you know, uh, ultimatums or anything like that. Uh, my understanding is that the inclination right now is not that they are uh, not trying to, uh, you know, pursue DeAndre Hopkins at this time, particularly at that, you know, contractual uh, level that he is at. But all right. So what I take from that is in a way, Josina is validating Michael Lombardi's report. And we've played that here before too. the report that Lamar requested that the front office reach out to both OBJ and Hopkins. But Lombardi did make it seem a bit more like an ultimatum, maybe not totally, but it was basically, hey, go get those guys, these wide receivers, and then we can talk. That was how Lombardi kind of phrased it. But here, Josina is posing it more like Lamar expressed a desire that the Ravens front office go out 
and try to get those two guys or one of them. So, you know, maybe, maybe uh, either way, it sounds like it did start with Lamar. Uh, but obviously she also downplayed the Ravens' interest in DeAndre Hopkins, and she insinuated that he's just too expensive with his current contract. Bobby, we've noted before that he'd be basically a $20 million cap hit with his current contract if it was just a trade continuing that contract. So could the Ravens make that work? Sure. We reviewed how in yesterday's episode, that was on Thursday morning, but a brand new deal with DeAndre or Arizona taking on some of that money, some of that cap hit would be a way better way to go. Okay, let's move to some other trade and draft talk around the league. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter said on SportsCenter Thursday that the Houston Texans may not actually select a quarterback with the number two overall pick, which is pretty wild to think. He said that there's increasing speculation that they'll, quote, go with the highest rated defensive player on their board in this draft. The thinking around the league is they don't seem particularly sold on going quarterback at two, close quote. Wow. Yeah, that, that is a big wow. I That's pretty interesting when they need a quarterback and they're number two. So I don't know, though, Bobby, it is hard to know what to believe this time, type of year. I'm not sure I'm totally sold on this. That being said, after Adam's report on the Texans came out, his colleague ESPN's Bill Barnwell, well, he, this news got his wheels turning, and he proposed, this is not some sort of report, nothing out there, but he proposed a completely made-up trade, and of course it had to do with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So Bill proposed that Baltimore send Lamar Jackson and their number 22 overall selection to Houston, and then in return, the Texans would give up their number two overall pick, their number 73 pick from the third round, and then a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. Here's Bill. It makes sense for both parties, Matt, because each side gets what they need, not just next year, but for the years to come as well. If you're the Ravens, you get a immediate replacement for Lamar Jackson in the draft. Now you have a player who you can build around for the next three or four years, and you can bring back Odell Beckham on a $15, $16 million a year deal in the years to come because your quarterback is going to be making way less than market value. And if you're the Texans and you've had three years of misery and anonymity and irrelevance. You're drawing a line underneath the mess of the last three years and saying, hey, we have a franchise guy who's going to make us better, not only in the years to come, but we can be good right now in a wide open AFC South. There are possibly even division title contenders if they get Lamar Jackson before this draft takes off. And they still have two second round, uh, still two first round picks in the process. So they can still add pieces around Lamar Jackson here in the draft. Bobby, it's a good thing that this is a completely made up scenario because I don't love it. I don't love the idea at all. I mean, it would be nice to start over financially if you're only thinking of it from that perspective with a rookie quarterback, but only if you really believe in one of the top guys and you've got a proven MVP here, but I, I hate this idea because the Ravens only get to move up 20 spots and then get an extra third rounder for Lamar Jackson. No, that's not enough compensation for me. Not to mention the only way a deal like this is going to get done in a single week between Lamar and the Texans is if they've already started negotiating a new deal because Bobby, we've been at this for years. Negotiations move slow with Lamar unless you give him exactly what he wants, which reportedly is a Deshaun Watson 
type deal of fully guaranteed money. Again, that was what Josina Anderson told us on this show. So otherwise, it wouldn't move quickly enough for it to get done by next week. And in the end, here's the thing. This is the bottom line. I still think the Ravens are showing that they are all in this season on a potential Super Bowl run, and they haven't given up on the vision of Lamar leading that charge while throwing to OBJ.